On this episode of Rise Week, Cedia releases a white paper on HDMI 2.1. Google has eliminated a product line or eliminating the hardware version. And Lutron, Elise, all that and more. Next on Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 247, recorded Monday, October 26, 2020. It's Googled. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Vanco International. Learn the technology behind the award-winning EVOIP, AV over IP system. Become EVOIP certified today. And by Peerless AV, driving technology through innovation. This is Resi Week, the weekly look at the residential market. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host with us to discuss the news and information we have gathered for this week. First and foremost, Joe Whitaker from Thoughtful Integrations in uh, my hometown, St. Louis. Welcome, sir. Nice to be back on this show. It's always a good time. And if you're not watching the video, please go by and look at it because uh, Joe is sitting virtually in front of his award-winning Rava Theater, home theater, CD award-winning. Welcome. And if if you want to check out that theater, by the way, you can go check it out. Open demo right in Dallas. Oh, there you go. All right. So they can just walk into the p- people's house. What? It's it's a it's a huge uh, model home. Oh, okay, very cool. So there's people there. Educate them. Walk them right through it. If you're an integrator, go learn about it. All right, very cool. Uh, also with us uh, is uh, one of my favorite CEOs. Uh, his name is Dave <laughs> Benigo. Uh He is from RLX. Welcome, sir. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And if you're listening to me and you don't hear any bouncing around, that's because of Dave, uh, because we've got Oralex here in, in the Aviation Studios. And last but not least, uh, I guess technically my boss, what he, lists, what he claims to be, uh, my buddy, Mr. Bradford Ben uh, from Aviation, also looking at his next opportunity to, uh, to take over the world. How are you, sir? I'm doing okay. Uh, I'm a little confused. It's, it's not AV week, so I'm going to have to be on my good behavior so that... You know, Joe and Dave don't bat me about the head and chest as I make fun of the uh, some of the resi topics that I don't understand. You understand most of them. And here's the weird thing. I'm hosting. I own a house, so I figure I'm qualified. And you own a smart house. <laughs> we can have that conversation about how yes, smart your house smart was house. not. I use HDMI cables. I have control panels. I have Lutron stuff. I, we can talk about all this stuff. All right. Well, let's. You have Lutron. I know that. All right. Let's uh, let's get into. We'll get to the Lutron story here in a second. First one though, from uh, CE Pro, Google. Uh, surprise, surprise is pulling the plug on something, and I'm somewhat sarcastic there. Uh, they are discontinuing Nest Secure Alarm System. Uh, from the uh, from the, the article, quote unquote, the Google Nest Alarm Secure Alarm System was first brought to market in 2017. The focal point uh, of the system was the system's hockey putt shaped component with a keypad. However. Um, they are um, getting rid of it. Um, they, the article quotes both Verge and uh, Android Central. Uh, Joe, we'll start with you on this. One of the parts that, that makes Google interesting is the ability and the uh, willingness to throw a lot of money at projects, at ideas. They famously have a 10% project where uh, employees are encouraged to you know, use, t- use 10% of their time to come up with new and innovative uh, applications. The downside is eventually some of these, some would argue a majority of these uh, will not make it uh, for the long haul. If you're building a home 
automation system or you're building a home automation business based on the back of Google, that is one of the risks you run. How big of a deal is this uh, that, that they're doing away with secure? Um, it, it's a big deal more so in that it's an eye opener. Um, you know, th this year we're starting to see Nest already making some moves. They just announced their new thermostat, um, which I have to say is sexy. Uh, will I use it? No, but it is sexy. <laughs> but, but you know, it's, it's an eye opener just in the fact that we saw a lot of consumer modeled corporations, you know, uh, Amazon, we saw Google, we saw a handful of them. Um, dive their hands into things that they don't necessarily need to be involved with security being one of them. We know um, from our side of the pond, you know, and the integrator side of the pond, those of us who do deal with security and have security licenses know that there's a lot of legalities and federal regulations and all kind of stuff that actually goes with saying you have a monitored security system or fire or smoke or whatever the case may be. And when you have somebody like this come in and say, Oh, you know, here's this thing you can just buy off of, off of uh, the internet and put in and you can feel safe and all that. It's built for disaster. Um, they're, they're not built to, you know, house or manage or deploy that kind of thing. So great experiment by Google to prove what us as integrators already knew, because I'll tell you, I've, you know, installed a lot of security systems in my life and I've never even touched one of those. So blip on the radar, absolutely great experiment experiment proving a point um, that all us integrators already knew. All right. Mr. Pedigo, one of the aspects of this uh, news comes uh, on the heels of Google investing almost half a billion dollars, 450 million into ADT. How much of a, of a factor do you think that had to play into this decision when the fact that, that Google, like Joe's, Joe said, has recognized the fact that you've got individual states and sometimes individual regions and municipality regulations to, to factor in. Letting ADT, which is part of what, what the original story was about, folks were saying, well, they're just going to let ADT handle some of that, and they're going to get into it by by stepping back but investing in there. How much of a, of a factor do you think the ADT investment had in this? Uh, I would think it was almost the inverse, that mm. the failure of their ability to really crack into the security market that way was, all right, well, let's let's go and invest in you know, the largest home provider in the country. Uh, you know, hardware only gets you so far. And so when you look at, uh, you know, ADT as an example, you're talking about decades of experience um, and, and understanding. And so Google wants to get in one way or another. And their, their, their ultimate motives are always to understand the customer more so that they can market to that customer. So uh, uh, they wanted to penetrate the security market one way or another. They figured out that their hardware wouldn't work. So they'll, they'll just backdoor it in with their overabundance of cash, in my opinion. All right. Bradford, take a look at this for both from a, someone who used to work for a manufacturer, but also, you know, a homeowner as well. When you look at it, at, at statements like this, when you kill off uh, a, a product line, what sort of steps do you have to take with the integration community? I mean, what, how much of a road, roadmap do you, or a roadway really runway do you have to give them to say, you know what, we're, we're doing away with this in six months or a year, or can you just pull the plug and say, sorry guys, here's, here's the alternative. Here's the replacement. Well, that's one thing is I was reading about this on Google plus a little bit 
Uh, that was a throwback joke. Everyone laughed. Very it was nice. Canceled. It, it, uh, it was the but solid. I was actually sure. looking at this. Uh, they are not discontinuing Google Nest. They are stopping building products. And there's a slight difference. It's that exactly that question of when can you pull the plug? Well, because they're still supporting it, but not building the product. The product is end of life, but the service isn't. Now, I don't know all of the rules and how they're going to transfer stuff over, but there is a certain period of time that they have to support it under warranty. But here's where it gets into that fuzzy area. You don't own it. It's software as a service. It's this and that. So how that lays out, I'm not really 100% sure. I'm sure I could call Josh Shrago as the budding lawyer he is and give us a lot of information, but that is one of those things. Like for instance, I have a master lock that's Bluetooth controlled and they are changing the software on it. The lock still works. It's just different features. Same thing with smart things that just updated and got rid of smart things classic a couple of weeks ago. The products still work. The software has been discontinued. So that's more where they're at. Now the $450 million into ADT, that is the one that has me scratching my head the most. The reason is because EDT and Samsung or smart things already have an, have an arrangement and an agreement together. And Samsung sells ADT monitoring systems and ADT can put in the smart thing stuff for you. So that's the one that I'm kind of trying to figure out exactly what they're doing. Is it they're spending the money to push out other companies or is it that they want to make sure that they don't get locked out i think that's the interesting part i also think one of the downfalls is it's google uh, and i say that somewhat tongue-in-cheek and google does a lot of amazing things but how many people knew that it had a microphone in it or that the nest thermostat had a microphone in it and i think it's starting to come back and haunt google a little bit and that's part of the reason they're starting to pull back to stuff that is more known because like you said, the, the home security, who are they going to call? Who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? That's a great service. Do I want them to know when I'm home or not home? Who's home and all this other stuff? Not so much. So I think from a Google standpoint, they're cutting their losses. And I think that the buying into ADT makes sure that they can still integrate with ADT for their smart home products. But I think they're not looking at it as a, we are going to be your home security system. They're looking at it the way they looked at Google Voice of, we're going to provide you an entire ecosystem. You don't have to think about it. But I think, as, as Joe pointed out, there are a lot of legalities that they weren't expecting. And some of those include false alarms and all those other things that happen. And I think part of it is, I don't think Google has the infrastructure to set up for people calling and going, my alarm's going off, what do I do? Yeah, it be interesting going forward. All right, uh, from our, our friends over at Rise Tech today, uh, taking a look at the Lutron Elise system. Uh, Sam Chambers, uh, the Senior Director of Lutron's Residential Business says, quote, unquote, at the heart of the Elise wall control is Lutron's understanding that every detail matters when designing a home and that technology's role should be to enhance 
the design vision, not distract from it. This is a completely brand new uh, design line from, from Lutron. And it is, I guess you would call it classic. Uh, it's very clean. Um, the, uh, the systems um, are, you know, the, the, rather the interfaces um, have pretty large wall back plates to them. And then, you know, the, the, the buttons themselves. Dave, when it comes to, you know, wall controls and, and physical buttons uh, in, in, a, in a touchless or a moving to touchless world, what, is, what does Elise say uh, to both the integrators but also the homeowners about not just Lutron but also about, you know, control in general moving forward? Well, I, you know, I guess I would say that, you know, first of all, is, it's, um, uh, I'll, I'll just, I'll start with the fact that it is, uh, to some an elegant solution to some I think they might look at this and say that it you know kind of looks like uh, what you find in a hotel or whatever but um, it's really I think more about simplicity than anything else so taking design taking something that can be relatively complex and making it easy for anybody to understand I uh, a few years ago I was uh, out at um, out in London and I was spending time with Giles while Giles was still an integrator and he was showing me products that were, were very similar in nature. And I don't know the manufacturer that was making them, but they're very elegant looking, very, you know, one button, two button, maybe four buttons, but they were very purpose built. And uh, he was like, man, I can't sell enough of these to, um, to my real high end clients. So I think it's a, um, a, a low volume, high margin kind of product. You know, you're only going to have a certain amount of clientele who want uh, something that looks like that, but uh, there are certainly solutions where that will make uh, a, a really nice product. Yeah. Bradford, when it comes to, you know, as Dave said, you know, higher end, um, higher end clients, is this, is this, is this something where that's where this, this Elise line belongs is in the, the more luxury brand, higher end um, installations? I think this is, and I'll be honest, it's a hotel product. Okay. Uh, to, for me, and admittedly, I'm a little bit of an edge case, but I wouldn't want a panel that large in my house. It's not a single gang plate. It's probably two or three, and it's, it's kind of big. I can use a Lutron wall controller that, you know, fits in a one gang plate and works just as effectively. Or if I'm spending that level of money, I can use you know, a device such as my iPhone to control stuff, or I can use a Google Assistant or Smart Things or the Amazon product or take your pick. So I kind of see it as it's it's a very nice looking piece. I don't like that you have to engrave it, but I also think there are other solutions out there, some of which are homebrew of like putting in, three buttons and three LEDs and the contact closures and having them coming back to a Crestron or AMX system that might give you the exact same level. I'm, I am not sure what problem it's solving. I think that most people will look at that and go, why would I want something that size? Now, admittedly, I understand I am not the target market, but I also think it's, I would not want to put a panel in as an integrator that has to be engraved because we all know someone's going to change their mind. And it's one of the advantages of a soft panel. You know, you could put in a soft panel and get a lot of that same functionality, 
for probably less money and still have an interface with the same Lutron system. So I think it's a little bit of a step back. I think if it had been a true touchpad, a one gang touchpad or a two gang touchpad, that would be a huge step. But right now I'm kind of, I looked at it and I looked at the stuff I have at home. I have Lutron controllers. I have Leviton controllers. I've got all sorts of stuff. And I, I wouldn't be able to, to find a place to put it in the house. But that's, like I said, it's, it's not my main market, but from an aesthetics point of view, I think that is the number one problem from the functionality. There are better ways to skin the cat than I'm sure Joe and Dave could go into where I can talk about for hours on end that, you know, some of our sponsors make some great things that would address these issues. Yeah. Mr. Whitaker, I'd like to ask that question. What problem does it solve from, from your perspective? You know, I, I look at this and exactly what problem does it solve? Level two, lingerie, throw pillows and lighting control. Um, you know, I, I expect this to go on a wall and a guest to think that they're going to get an elevator. Um, I, I don't, I, I am not sure what problem it solves unless it's specific to, uh, you know, leaning a solution towards the interior design community that we're just not aware of. Um, because, you know, we deal with what we know, whether it's, you know, European style square, um, to, you know, us single gang, double gang, triple gang, what we're used to decora. Um, I, I don't know, um, lighting scenes. Okay. Maybe that could be cool, but I don't see what this actually solves. Is it matching door hardware? I, I like I'm I'm trying to that's the thing that I'm grasping towards is what is the design function because I see it as taking away on the technology function. I got two buttons, what uh, the the triples. So I got a maximum of it's three three two three nine buttons, right? So a maximum of nine buttons in a state in one of their standards, um, where I can get, you know, six to nine buttons in a you know, a one gang pretty much uh, in with existing form factors and technologies. So the only thing I, a problem I could see it solving is something in design that, we, that I just don't know. I'm not aware of because I'm not an interior designer, matching door hardware, bathroom faucet hardware, or drawer pulls. I, I don't know. I've never seen a door trim work look like this. So yeah. I, I'm really grasping for why. Well, um, I, I mean, the one thing I would say is, is that there is a, a decent amount of renovations that happen. And so when you are looking for, you know, restoring, you know, trying to keep the original look, it, it might be there. So I, I definitely believe that it is a, um, it's a niche market. It's a niche product. Uh, but look, if we're going to, if we're going to take uh, people's taste on, man, we'll be here all day. because There is a ton of ugly products out there that, uh, you know, uh, we don't know why someone's designed it the way that they have in itself. So uh, is that product for me? No, but I, I think there's probably, a, you know, enough of a market out there for them to move some units. Will it be a, a ton of units that they move? No, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it's a smaller market, but uh, they'll move some. Yeah, let, let's be honest here, kids. You know, there, there was a, a car called a Gremlin at one point in time and they sold plenty of those. So those are awesome. Don't, don't even awesome. don't Ed even. Sold forever. 
Don't oh my gosh. even. All right. Last story here comes to us from our friends over at um, a Residential Systems. Cedia has released a new white paper on HDMI 2.1. Thank goodness. And I'm not, that is not sarcasm because it is uh, interesting. Walt Zerby uh, talks about it. He goes, quote, unquote, when you think of HDMI 2.1, higher bandwidth and increased performance come to mind first. What this white paper will also demonstrate is the technology seriously high versatility and its full scope of significance for gamers, viewers, and integrators. Really quickly, Bradford, before I get you off on this, 18 gigs to 48 gigs. That's the first thing that, that jumps out. And, and, and this is something that, that you know, from a, a commercial side, we've been dealing with for a while. But that is the first step here that integrators and dealers need to understand is that there is a higher, there's more bandwidth available. What that means, though, is that sometimes your current infrastructure that takes that HDMI connection and converts it to ones and zeros may not be sufficient. So you got to make sure that that's ready. Uh, what else do integrators need to know about the, this jump to 2.1 uh, moving forward when it comes to HDMI? I think the biggest thing is with 2.1 is what's going to happen to all the extenders. Yeah. What's going to happen to all those little widgets and bits and pieces that went together because from reading over the, the article and the white paper kind of briefly, it talks a lot about the handshaking that's in there. And I think handshaking is a good thing so that both sides know how much bandwidth can go through and all of those types of things. And I think that's good. But I also think that all of a sudden looking at it and going, oh, I get 48 gigabits per second. Yeah, you do for three meters. That's not necessarily going to solve whole house distribution you're still going to have to look at other longer haul solutions. And then comes the other thing, which yes, you don't have to compress, which is good. And I like that idea, but I'm also kind of curious of what devices can receive that fast. Uh, this is one of those things I hit as a manufacturer on occasion. We couldn't get information out of the pipe fast enough. Like for instance, I have a solid state hard drive that's top of the line for, for Blackmagic products. And it's only a gig a second. And I say only because that wouldn't keep up with this, but that is the fastest solid state hard drive you can get for under $10,000. So, you know, it's kind of an interesting conundrum here. I think the infrastructure is gonna to have to be higher. I think the cable manufacturing and bend radius and pull is going to have to be looked at a lot more. But I also think the rest of the market is going to have to catch up a little bit to make this worthwhile. I'm also really interested to see how it handled uh, HDCP, you know, high definition copy protection, uh, to see how well it does the keys and the handshakes, because that has been a problem before, especially when mixing protocols. Uh, so that to me is the other thing, but it looks amazing for what it can do, but I'm looking for what's the product that's going to output it. It's kind of like having a 16 K camera with an eight K display. Absolutely. Um, Mr. Whitaker, uh, what, what is it? What, what do we have to know about this, about this technology and this new spec? Well, it, it's, um, great that this white paper has actually come out because it answers a lot of those questions. Um, and, you know, the what to expect, you know, I'll, I'll touch on on what has already been said in that we know that, you know, the 8K models are coming out uh, from, you know, various manufacturers on the display side. 
so so we know that they're already aware right um and for anybody reading the white paper and you're thinking about the infrastructure um if you've been around as long as like most of us that are here sitting here talking today are we know that we've already been through this we know that when hdmi first came out we had to do a big infrastructure transition from component video um, up to hdmi and then we had edtv before we had hdtv and we we know these things are constantly changing and we know that the infrastructure has to change with it the bite of course is going to be that full 4k distribution within a home or business is still relatively a, a recent pain point you know a lot of us have only transitioned some of those to full 4k infrastructure in the last two years now we got to come back and say oh there's 8k remember that whole you know teen gigabit infrastructure we're talking about yeah no we're up in the 40s now um so th there will be a transition you know, but the, the, the good part about it is it's conversations we've already had. We've already had it with a lot of these clients. We've already had it with a lot of these manufacturers. We know that technology changes and technology in place will always work as it was originally advertised. Upgrade path is like the important thing. Uh, when you look at the white paper, you see, I hate to put it this way, all the special sauce we've been promised from HDMI, not trying to down you HDMI, but yes, I am. All the special sauce we've been promised by you for forever um eARC which is what we expected arc to be in the beginning um you know ethernet sharing uh, all these other things are, they're finally part of the whole package um you know it's it's actually all there now as long as you know manufacturers follow those hdmi guidelines and don't cr create their own special sauces like samsung and sony have done with cec and many others um if you follow the formula and follow the recipe this is huge but the huge part is for all the integrators, you got to read this white paper because to me, it's probably one of the most informative I've ever read um, because it answers a lot of those questions I thought I knew, but I really didn't um, because it is a big change. And when we move into what Dave knows all about this, since he's going to talk now, next you talk about immersiveness and all of those kind of things. That's huge. Uh, you yeah. know, that, that gives us all those sides of immersiveness that we need. Yeah. Uh, I would say, so a couple of things. So first of all, uh, the white paper was written by David Meyer. Uh, David Meyer, you, you know, uh, I actually hired David, so I, I couldn't be any more proud of, of, uh, of the, the work that he does. And um, uh, you know, if you read a document from David Meyer, that the full engineering is going to be behind it. So uh, actually, ironically enough, uh, years ago, uh, David and uh, mostly David, I helped a little bit, wrote a white paper on HDMI and we got in trouble because we put some of their secret sauce out that we weren't supposed to. So we had to take it down like it was it was quick. And so you'll see in the document now that um, it's not just David Meyer, it's um, at HDMI um, and uh, Mark Stockfish, who um, in the standards world, Mark Stockfish is kind of uh, he's a legend. Um, why that matters is because what you really know when you get a document like this is that it's, it is the truth. It's not opinion in here. This is, is what it is. Um, now, what I will say is that uh, we always tend to get excited over hardware um, and just realize that content is always so, so much uh, slower to come out. I used to have a slide where it would be 
uh, an Indy car that came in for hardware, and then you had a snail that came in for um, uh, the actual content. If you look at HDMI 2.1, HDMI 2.1 came out over two years ago. The compliant testing specification uh, you know, came out about 18 months after the actual uh, 2.1 standard came out. And so, um, yes, HDMI 2.1 is important and I think it's great. And uh, your AVRs is an example, you're really gonna have to pay attention to your AVRs. Um, but uh, also realize that your biggest friend when it comes to technology is conduit. And you know, what conduit am I pulling? Am I, am I pulling, uh, you know, fiber? Uh, yes, we're at 48 gigabits per, per second. Uh, I've heard talk about going to 72, if not to 144 gigabits per second. The reason that we need those uh, is not as much. Uh, it's the gamers. So anyone who has uh, clients who are significant gamers, if the variable refresh rate is really a big deal. Um, the, the 8K content, the 8K444 or, or 10K444, those are good, but um, uh, you're still going to see some time before that content comes out. But you should understand the technology fully. And the beauty of how uh, David crafted this document is here is the technology. This is what you need to understand. And then on the next side of it is, and what does this mean for me? So this is this is the nerdiness, and then this is the practical part. And and just know that uh, David writes at a very deep level, and um, so uh, uh, sometimes you'll read it and be like, I, I need to read that a second time. Don't feel bad. Uh, it takes a lot of us a couple of times to get through uh, the way that he writes, um, but uh, it's a it's an incredible document. And uh, for those of you who are CDM members, you get it at no cost and just realize that that's a, a valuable, a very valuable member benefit is to get you know documents like this that are completely unbiased. There is, as far as I can tell, I've read the document, there's zero bias in it. It's just, here's the engineering and this is why it should matter to you and your business. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good way to, to, to end it there. Uh, thank you all so much. Mr. Joe Whitaker from uh, Thoughtful Integrations. Thank you, sir. Well, thank you guys for having me. How do people get a hold of you or Thoughtful Integrations? Uh, you could find me, of course, on any social media platform at Thoughtful Integrations. You can find us with our AV Nation show, the Thoughtful Home Show on Thursday. This Thursday, it is who? Sure. Sure. Of course, raise your mics if you're sure. Uh, we're not going to wrong, wrong, wrong mic. That, that's not a sure mic. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. But oh no, but but what I have on it is sure. If if you haven't yes, seen that, that guy right there, that guy I love. Um, yeah, you're right. Uh, but headphones. There you go. Raise your headphones, headphones are sure. Yeah. So, but I uh, I will say on something uh, Dave just uh, mentioned where you're talking about CDA member stuff. Um, right now, you can find it on CDA's uh, website, but the CIT cable and infrastructure technician certification is out for beta now. So you can sign up for it, buy vouchers, 50 bucks. If you want to make this math, um, you can pretty much get any of your employees certified in the new CIT certification for a hundred dollars less than when it's full launch. 
per employee. So you could seriously, we, I bought a handful of vouchers, saved like 600 bucks. Um, If you want the link, but you follow me on LinkedIn or Facebook, I already put it out there. There's a link. Um, It's huge. And it is the first step in the new certification platform. So the next one should be out December, January, I think, but you can sign up for it right now. Get your vouchers while you can get them. All right, Mr. Pettigo. Good to see you as always, sir. It's uh, been a pleasure for sure. Really, really happy to be invited. Uh, how do people get a hold of you or uh, or Oralex? Oh, well, so uh, for me, real simple. Dave Pettigo, if you're on Twitter, just at Dave Pettigo. Easy to find me or dpettigo at oralex.com. And uh, if you're interested uh, in being a dealer or whatever, you can just email me, dpettigo at oralex.com. Or you can just go to our website, which right. interestingly enough is just named oralex.com. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Mr. Bradford, Ben, thank you, sir. My pleasure is always to be here, and it's your pleasure to have me here, making sure the ones and zeros get to the right place. Uh, you can find me on the Twitters at Bradford Ben with two N's. You can find me on LinkedIn. Look for me on Google Plus. I'm still hanging out there, although it's kind of empty and lonely. Uh, I am not on the evil book of faces. Uh, and in about two weeks, I'll be able to tell everyone what my next plan for world domination is. And for a change, it doesn't involve making fun of Tim. It does involve making fun of the bears, though. It's not very much fun. Well, you make fun of the bears all you want. Currently, they are five and one. So, um, which is better than Matt's favorite team? Which is and how are the Blues so. doing? As as good as anybody, any other hockey team right now. That's They're right. They're all over season. Yeah. yeah. Although they did, they, they, how on earth do you lose your captain in the, in the off season to the fricking and and don't misunderstand to the, to the, to the golden Knights. I like the Knights. I, I think it's a cool team, but we're done here. Uh, yeah, I know you, you don't, you don't, you're not a big fan of expansions in general. So I'm ready for the crack. I am ready for the crack. I love the their, I do love their, their, uh, their logo and their, their, their jerseys. So yeah. I just like saying I'm a crackhead and not <laughs> getting dirty looks for it. Well, you still get those. Um, so yeah, for me, don't follow me on the Twitters because, like Bradford said, I'll I'll cheer on the the Bears uh, until they go like five and ten. So, um, and I'll still cheer for them. But go by the website avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others, including the one that I really do. Uh, AV Wing looks at the commercial side. Also, while you're there, check out our supporter section. These are the folks who help us financially, help us bring you Resi Week and AV Week and all the other. Uh, so all that and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. And that's all the time we have for Resi Week. 